numbers. I know sometimes this turns into as much of a teaching as it does a preaching. The problem with it is I'm not sure how to do it any other way. Because <laughs> there's so much I want to show y'all and bring out in this. And sometimes I just, it turns into a teaching other than a preaching. But uh, either way, it's the Word of God. We're opening it up. And I know if you will open up the Word of God, specifically this book, you will get a blessing. So how are you so sure about that, Pastor? Because the Bible tells you so. Way back in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, it said, Blessed is he, that's you, that readeth, or they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. You're blessed if you hear it, and you're blessed if you read it. So if you're out here this morning, and you say, I didn't bring my Bible, I'm just going to listen, you're getting blessed. If you open up your Bible, and you read it with me, you're going to get blessed. So I don't know either way, you will, will get blessed this morning. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10, we're going to start right back up at verse 1. And let's read about this mighty angel. We've got to figure out who this mighty angel is. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with the cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open. And he said... And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray and come to you humbly in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would bless the reading in your book. Lord, you promised that you would do that. And, Lord, I'm asking you to do it. And, Father, I pray, Lord God, you'd hide me behind the cross, Lord, as I preach and teach your word, Lord God. And I pray, Father, be your words, your preaching, your teaching, Lord. I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will lead God, direct us this morning into all truth, Lord God. Help us to understand it, Lord. Make it real to us. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. So first off, before we get into who this mighty angel is, I want to remind y'all about what we're, what's going on. I'm going to turn this off. What's going on with the book of Revelation. It's important to understand this stuff about the book of Revelation. So what you have, the first coming of Jesus Christ, you have four tellings of the first coming of Jesus Christ. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's four different biographies or tellings of the first coming of Jesus Christ. So in the book of Revelation, what you're going to happen, what's going to happen is it's the same story being told over and over and over again. It's going to be told four different ways. It's going to be told through the seals. We just got through those. We're going through the trumpets right now. We've done, we've done uh, six different trumpets, and then we're going to go through the, what we're going to call the personages. Personages, that's going to be the Antichrist. It's going to be what the Antichrist is represented by a beast. The false prophets represented by this, by this uh, by a shepherd with the horns. Uh, you're going to have the, the sun-clothed woman. There's that's what I mean by personages. And then the last telling of the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is done by vials. So in each one of these, in each one of these, in each one of these, what you have going on is you're going to, you have, there's seven seals, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and it starts over with the trumpet. So we're in trumpet, so we had one, two, three, four, five, six, and then what we're having in chapter 10, we have like a little parentheses. We have a little uh, a, a stoppage 
until we get to chapter 11, and then chapter 11, we'll have the seventh trumpet. And then we'll have seven different personages, three, four, five, six, seven, and then, it'll, it, then we'll get going again in vowels, and there'll be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So basically, and I'm, I'm going to write this down, so chapters, so when you're reading Revelations chapters 5 through 8, it's going to give you the seals. When you get to chapter 8 through around chapters 11, you're going to get the uh, trumpets. Uh, chapter 12 through 14 is going to be the personages. And then the vials is going to be chapter 15 to 19. And you say, Brother Keegan, what happens after the vials in chapter 19? That's when Jesus Christ comes back. Revelation chapter 19. King of kings and Lord of lords. So this will maybe help you what's going on. So right now we're in chapter 10. We're on the sixth trumpet, and then after we go, when I get to preaching through chapter 11, we'll, we'll go right into the personages. This is the weird stuff that you hear about in chapters 12 and 14, the, the, the mark of the beast and stuff like that. I'm really looking forward to that. But John has a vision. Before he gets to that seventh trumpet, he has a vision, and he says, I see a mighty angel come down. But when you look at this mighty angel, it's describing Jesus Christ. You see that? It came down, verse 1, and the, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. God himself came down to Mount Sinai in a cloud. He led Israel through the wilderness with a cloud. Jesus ascended to heaven with a cloud. Jesus is said to be coming back in the clouds. This angel has got clouds around him. It says, and a rainbow was upon his head. When, when Ezekiel seen God on his throne, he seen a rainbow. When John in chapter 4 seen God in his throne, he seen a rainbow. So there's God in the rainbow there again. And his face was as it were the sun, and his feet was pillars of fire. And then you skip down to verse 3 and cry with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. It says in Joel that the, that the Lord God will roar out of Jerusalem like a lion. And this voice, his angels roaring like a lion. It says of Jesus Christ, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. See, all these things you're seeing here, they point directly to Jesus Christ. Turn to Revelation chapter 1. I'll show you this. Revelation chapter 1. Let's go back to when John first sees Jesus Christ. John chapter 1. Look at verse, we'll start at verse 7. John chapter, I mean, Revelation, pardon me. Revelation chapter 1. When John first sees Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 1, let's look at the description that John gives us. Then we'll, we'll try to put all this together. Talking about Jesus Christ, Behold, he cometh with clouds. See, that mighty angel came down with a cloud around him. He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. Look at verse 15. Describing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace and his voice is a sound of many waters. It says there that his feet burned as a brass in, in a furnace and it said there of this angel he had feet as pillars of fire. Now look at verse uh, 716. Look at verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance, look, his countenance was as... The sun, S-U-N, shineth in his strength. So back in Revelation chapter 10, this description of this mighty angel sure does sound like Jesus Christ. Well, the reason why it sure sounds like Jesus Christ because it is Jesus Christ. What some people don't realize, and it takes a while to study it to find it out, but that Jesus Christ, it was, didn't, Jesus Christ didn't show up just at the birth, of, uh, uh, at the birth with Mary. 
That's when Jesus Christ was incarnated, became the Son of Man. Before that, He was the Son of God. Remember what John said in John 1.1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, Jesus Christ. He's talking about Jesus Christ. So from the, when, you, when you start studying the Bible, you see this weird thing start happening. And I did a study on angels about three or four years ago, maybe not that long ago. We did study angels, and I, I taught on this. But what happens when you start studying the angels, you see this one angel show up, and he's called the angel of the Lord. And this angel of the Lord is very unique. He's not like any of the other, other angels, because when this, Lord, this angel of the Lord shows up, he speaks like he's the Lord. He talks like he's God. And he says God-like things, and he does God-like things. You say, well, who is it? That's Jesus Christ before his incarnation. In the, in the scholarly terms, it's called a theophany. It's an appearance of Jesus before his birth as the Son of Man, and he, when he was put into flesh with Mary. It's before that he was walking. Who was Abraham talking to? Abraham was talking to the Lord. Well, that was the Lord Jesus Christ. He just didn't know him as Jesus Christ. When Jacob is wrestling with that angel, and the angel says, tell me your name, and the angel says, it's a secret. That name that he didn't tell him was Jesus Christ. That's that name. Remember in the Bible it says, the spirit moved and it says, then the, 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 the voice of God said, let there be light. Who was that speaking? That's Jesus that's the mouthpiece of God. Jesus Christ is the mouthpiece of God. He said, I can only say what the Father says. I can only do what the Father does. He's the mouthpiece of God. This angel is Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord, coming down. And John's seeing this great vision, and he comes down. And it says in verse 2, And he had in his hand a little book open. A little book open. And we'll get into that a little further later on. And he said, and he said, his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. So this mighty angel comes down and he sets one foot on the sea. That'd be the Mediterranean Sea. He puts one foot on the earth there in Israel. And this is what he does. He roars like a lion and it says, seven thunders uttered their voices in verse 3. But then, verse 4, when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. John was going to write all that down, that what they said. And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. You say, Brother Keegan, what did they say? Nobody knows. Now you have some cults who try to take that verse right there and say, we know what the seven thunders are. If they say that, they're liars. The Bible says not to write it down. It wasn't written down. Nobody knows what they said. This is, got, to me, I can't 100% prove this. To me, this is the devil hollering back at him. This is the devil hollering back at Jesus Christ. Because what Jesus Christ is doing here is a mighty angel coming down. When he puts one foot on the sea, he puts one foot on the land. What's he doing? He's, he's staking claim to it. This is him staking claim to what belongs to him. This is his land. This is his sea. Look at this. Verse 5. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven. See, he's making a claim. He's making a claim. Swear by and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, verse 6, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth, and the things that therein are, and the sea, and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. In other words, stop delaying. There's, we're not going to put it off any longer. Verse 7, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, that seventh angel is that seventh trumpet, okay? 
When he shall begin to sound, that trumpet, sound the trumpet, the mystery of God shall be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. All this will be done. This mystery. What is the mystery of God? The mystery of God should be finished. What's that mystery? It's the kingdom mystery. You say, what, what do you mean? Look at Revelation 11. Let's look at when that trumpet gives off. Look at 11, chapter, chapter 11, Revelation 11. Look at verse 15. And let's look at what happens when that trumpet is blown. Verse 15 of Revelation chapter 11. That mystery of God should be finished. What he's proclaiming is simply what happens in verse 15 of Revelation chapter 11. And the seventh angel sounded. He sounded that trumpet. And there were great voices in heaven saying, and this is what they said, the kingdoms of this world, which belong to the devil, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's Jesus Christ coming back to claim what belongs to him. So when that angel comes down, he puts one foot in the ocean, he has one foot on the sea, and he said, this belongs to me, the mystery of God is finished, no longer delayed, here we are, that's the kingdoms becoming his. These kingdoms you see all around you, they don't belong to God. They belong to the devil. When the devil was tempting Jesus Christ to try to get him to fall in sin, one, one temptation he did is he took Jesus Christ under the mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a, in a moment, the Bible said. In a moment he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the devil turned to Jesus Christ and said, all of these would be yours if you'll just fall down and worship me. And Jesus Christ didn't say, those don't belong to you. Jesus Christ said, you should worship the Lord thy God. Him alone shall you worship. He quoted, it is written. Listen, what's going on in Washington, D.C.? That's because the devil wants it going on like that. What's going on in Russia and Ukraine and Canada and Iraq and Iran? All these world nations are run by the devil. And the only time they're not run by the devil is when the Lord wants something done, then he makes it done. This world is run by the devil. It's going to come a time, according to verse 15, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's a great prophecy that's prophesied that Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years and then forever and ever. Back in, back in chapter 10, Revelation chapter 10, verse 8. Revelation 10, verse 8. So we're using scripture to scripture. We're using Bible verses to help describe what we don't understand in other Bible verses. Look at verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go. And take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. Now, there's lots of speculation of what that little book is. That, that, that mighty angel's holding the book. Now, you hear some people say it, it's Daniel. It could be the book of Daniel. Some people say it's the book of Ezekiel. Some people say it's what we're looking at, the book of Revelation. Uh, I think it's a seven-sealed book. And the reason why I think it's a seven-sealed book is because it says, it says here that that little book, which is open, it says it twice. It said it back up at verse 2. He had a little book which is open. And wh why do you think that? Because in Revelation chapter 5, this angel, G as Jesus Christ, he came, in Revelation 5, 7, he came and took the book out of the right hand of, right hand of him that sat upon the throne. What was that book? That book was a scroll 
a roll, and it was sealed seven times. It, you'd, you'd seal it, roll it, seal it, roll it, seal it, and he did it seven times, rolled up. Jesus Christ, the only one that's able to take that book, he's the only one to take that seven-sealed book, according to the Bible, he's the only one to take it, be able to take it, and he's the only one that's able to open it. And then when he opened it, then you had the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you had everything we studied about in Revelation. So it's the seven-sealed book, and it's been opened already. So he's holding it in his hand. It's already been done. That's that first coming, that, that, that telling of the second coming of Jesus Christ and that seals. It's already been opened up, and I think that's what the angels hold. Either way, it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter, but either way, I'm showing you why I believe it is that. Look at verse 9 of Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10, verse 9. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, to the, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it. And eat it up. It shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. You know, the Bible describes the word of God as sweeter than honey. That's uh, Psalms chapter 119, 103. It says that the word of God is sweeter than honey. And he says, if you'll eat this up, just take it and eat it. Eat it up, and it's going to make your belly kind of bitter. It's going to kind of turn your belly sour, but in your mouth, it's sweet as honey. In verse 10, and I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth, sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, verse 11, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. God's word is sweet as honey, but when you, for some people it's as bitter as it can be. Because see, the great truth I found out when I started trying to preach this word is, I'm, I started preaching this word and I realized about five or six sermons in, I, it's all negative. It's all negative. It's like, man, where are these preachers getting all these feel-good messages? And I'm looking, I'm, because it's like, it's like one-tenth good and nine-tenths negative. That's why so many preachers, they either preach the same message and preach the same set of verses because those are the good verses. Because when you get outside of those good verses, it's all about damnation and hell and fire. And it's all about you're no good and you need to repent. And it's all about that stuff. The stuff that preachers don't really like preaching because y'all get that look on your face like, he's stepping on my toes, he's stepping on my toes. Man, some of it is as sweet as honey, but man, it gets in your belly and it's very bitter. This isn't the first time, this isn't the first time that this has been talked about, about eating the Word of God. And we're about to look at that. But he says in verse 11, thou must, talking to John, thou must prophesy again. You eat it up and you spit it out. Christian, that's what you should be doing. You should be eating up this Word and then you should be spitting it out. You know what they'll tell you when you, start, when you get into nutrition? You know what they'll tell you when you get into nutrition? You are what you eat. Eat it up and then spit it out. Then eat some more of it and then spit it out. Our job is to eat it up and spit it out. And he says that thou must prophesy again before many people and nations and tongues and kings. Did John do that? Not necessarily. Physically, he didn't do that. History tells us that he got off the Isle of Patmos and he didn't die a martyr like so many of the others, but he didn't go over to other nations. He didn't just spread the word. Well, how did that, how is that happening? How is he doing that? By what you're reading right now in your very lap 2,000 years later? You realize John doesn't know how to speak English? He's speaking Hebrew, but you're reading this, and you're reading this right here in, in English, and he's prophesying to you, isn't he? 
you're, what I'm trying to say is if you think outside of the box and you look at this, you'll realize this is a prophecy coming true before my very eyes, that he was going to prophesy to many peoples and nations and tongues and kings and to ending gap people in ending gap Texas. It's amazing. It's right there before your very eyes. This isn't the first time this has ever happened where God's told a prophet like John, hey, eat my word, eat my word. Look at Ezekiel chapter 2. Let's look back, way back to Ezekiel chapter 2. There's an interesting character in the Bible, old Ezekiel. Well, Ezekiel got told to do all kinds of strange things. You ever, have you all read through the book of Ezekiel? Man, God told Ezekiel to do all kinds of crazy things. God told Ezekiel one time, he said, hey, Ezekiel, you get you, you, get you some, what we would call basically toy soldiers. You get you some toy soldiers, and I want you to go lay out there, and I want you to be playing with those toy soldiers in front of everybody. And you make your little fort, you get your little toy soldiers, and you make the toy soldiers go against, the, against this fort and tear it down. And He wanted them to play toys in front of people. And then he says, if somebody asks you what you're doing, he's saying, thus saith the Lord, this is what's going to happen to you. Can you imagine God doing that to you? Making you go play with toys in front of somebody? <laughs> and that's just one, one little bit of what he made Ezekiel do. Look at Ezekiel chapter 2. So when God's, when God's calling Ezekiel, God, Ezekiel had this amazing vision of God on his throne. He's seen the cherubims. He's seen the moving wheels. It's an amazing vision that Ezekiel's given. And then after Ezekiel's given this incredible vision in chapter 1 and chapter 2, God says, okay, now I want you to go preach my word. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. Verse 2, And the Spirit entered unto me. Is the Spirit entered unto you? Yes, it is. If you're a born-again believer, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you right now. That's what happened to Ezekiel. The Spirit went into Ezekiel. And when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, verse 3, Son of man, I send thee. Are you sent? Yes, sir, you're sent. Jesus Christ's last commandment was, Go ye into all the world. You're sent, brothers and sisters. Every one of you in here is sent. To the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me, they and their fathers have transgressed against me, even to this very day. For they are impotent children. Impotent is shameless and stiff-hearted. Do we live in a generation that's impotent and stiff-hearted? I'd say amen to that. Right? Do we, live in a, do we live in a society that's shameless? Can I get an amen? Well, if you hadn't been at Walmart a lot lately, I mean, you see how they dress when they go into Walmart? I'm like, man, I'd be ashamed to be in my house like that. And they're walking around all strutting around like, got their PJs on, still got their, uh, something else. That's if they're dressed, amen. That's if they've decided to get dressed. And they didn't decide to color their hair purple, green, or whatever color it is that week and, we're living in a shameless generation. I do send thee unto them, thou shalt say unto them what? Thus saith the Lord God. Now how, now how do you Christians say that today? Thus saith the Lord God. It's the word that you have in your lap. Please tell me that when you're trying to talk to somebody about Jesus, you're not quoting your own words or your own ideas and your own philosophy. Please tell me that you're saying... I'll just tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said. Well, I don't like that. Well, I don't necessarily like it either, but that's what Jesus said, and that's just the truth. You're preaching, does saith the Lord, right here. 
Look at verse 5. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. Brothers and sisters, I don't care if they're going to listen to you. I don't care if they give you the time of day. But what, one thing they should know is when you walk away, they should know the Lord's been around. How would they know that? Because they've heard the word of God. They should know when, when, when you come and go, they should know, hey, there's been a prophet among us. And what a prophet does is a prophet preaches the word of God. That's what a prophet does. Look at verse 6. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them. Neither be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns be with thee, you're around a bunch of thorny people, aren't you? Amen. I know I am. You say one little word. I'm offended by that. I don't know if I like that. I, don't believe, I believe there's many ways to God. Like, okay, calm down, calm down. Calm. Simmer, simmer. Everything's going to be okay. I just said one thing about Jesus. Don't go commit suicide. Or everything's going to be okay. But they get all stirred up and they get all thorny and they get all prickly. and they, I, just, I, don't want, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to hear about that. I heard one person say, I don't want to hear that. And they put their ears over. They put their hand over. I don't want to hear that. I didn't cuss. I didn't say anything bad about their family. All I said was something about Jesus Christ. I don't want to hear that. It's a prickly and a thorny people. They're afraid. Don't be afraid of them. And thou dost dwell among scorpions. Do you feel like you're dwelling among scorpions this morning? <laughs> Not in this church, amen. You feel like you're dwelling among scorpions? You know, we were studying about the Word of God and the sower and the seed, and the sower and the seed, he goes out and he's sowing those seeds. It's interesting to find out that what's it, it said that there's some, there's some ground that has some thorns in it. It's thorny ground. And you're seeing the briars and the thorns right there. And then he said there's rocks there. What dwells under the rocks, scorpions? Guys, when you're dealing with the lost man or woman, you're going to deal with some thorns, some briars. You're going to deal with some scorpions. Look what he says there at the, end, in the middle of verse 6. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks. You ever been given a dirty look for mentioning the Lord? Well, they say, if looks could kill, I'd been dead ten times over. I remember being out there street preaching, sitting at the corner just preaching the word of God and minding my own business. I guess I was minding my own business. <laughs> Getting into theirs, I guess. Sitting at the corner and I was preaching and uh, this woman run, this woman drove by and all I was preaching was Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And I was preaching that and this woman drove by and she stuck her head out the window and she said, lesbians will live forever. <laughs> I wasn't talking about homosexuality, I wasn't talking, I just was preaching Jesus Christ. Lesbians will live forever. Gave me the dirtiest look, like she tried to kill me with her eyes, you know. Yeah, lesbians will live forever in a burning lake of fire. So were liars and thieves and adulterers, not just homosexuals. Homosexual is just one sin, but it is a sin, just like all the other sins. And what will send a homosexual or anybody else to hell is not taking Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Y'all need to hear this this morning. Do you know there's some good Christians that love the Lord that are saved that are dealing with homosexuality? That's a sin. And maybe they've failed and maybe they've committed that sin again and maybe they've committed that sin again, but you know what? They're still going to heaven. Is anybody in here that has a sin that 
they have trouble with that they've done again and they've done again and they know they're saved but they're deal dealing with that. Everybody in this room deals with their own sin. Maybe it's uh, alcoholism. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's stealing. Maybe you, just got, maybe you just got something in you. It's like, man, I see something. I just want to take it. I don't care if it's mine or not. I just got to have it. There's people like that. And God bless you. God can help you with that. But you can get saved and still deal with that. You, you hear what I'm saying? We're saved sinners. And they get this idea like, oh, you think I'm going to hell? No, I think everybody's going to hell. <laughs> Not just your sin. Everybody's sin sending them to hell. But you need to repent and take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he'll help you deal with that. And recognize it, which we don't do today. Recognize it for what it is, and it's a sin. That's what bothers me is nobody wants to recognize it for what it is. And they'll give you dirty looks. Verse 7, and, they shall speak my, and thou shalt speak my words. Whose words? His words, not your words. You speak my words, Ezekiel. Christian, you're speaking God's words, not your own words. When we get in trouble, we start trying to get our words in there, and it don't work out that way. You speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they're most rebellious. Don't matter if they listen or not, guys. Keep doing it. We're supposed to keep spreading the word of God if they listen to it or not. Look at verse 8. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. You know what he calls a rebellious person? Somebody that won't listen to God's words. That's what he's defining rebellious there in verse 8. And then he says, eat that I give thee. Too many problems, too many times our problem is we're eating stuff that the world's given us. Or the devil's given us. Or the media's given us. Or our family members are giving us. God says, stop eating that stuff. Eat what I give you. Eat, I give thee. And open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. You are what you eat. Verse 9, And when I looked, behold, a hand was sent, uh, sent, was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of book was written therein. Look at that. There was a roll of book like that angel had. And he spread it before me, and it was written there within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mournings and woes. It's all bad stuff. That's why we don't want to eat it. That's why people don't want to hear it. And you know what I'm here to tell you? I don't blame them. When I go to the doctor, I want the doctor to tell me only good things. And if he tells me something I don't like, you know what I do? I don't say, well, praise God. I'm a, I get mad at him. You can ask my wife. I'll come home. All he's doing is reading what the blood work says. He's got the blood work. He's got the facts. He's got written black and white. And he says, this says your blood sugar is this. And you know what I do? I'm like, well, I don't like you. All we're doing is, this is what the truth is. It's in black and white, and, the, and they'll say, I don't like you. I don't like it either. But you need to hear it if it's going to get better, amen? Verse 1 of chapter 3, if you want to keep reading with me. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat. Eat that thou findest. Eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. You're going to eat it up. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. He physically ate it. Hope he put a little bit of spaghetti sauce on it. That's about the only way I'd choke it down. <laughs> and he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. Praise God. You know what I found out over the years, being around church people is, and uh, preaching all kinds of different places, I can preach something that would make a majority, I can preach something and the Christians in this room would say, 
Amen. And the people in here that are not saved would be like, oh, that's bitter to my belly. Christians in here, I could preach the same thing. It would be the same words come out of my mouth. And one person who's a Christian would say, that's sweet as honey. And somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ will say, that's bitter to my belly. We're eating the same thing. What makes it sweet, what's the only thing that's going to make this sweet is Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that makes this book sweet. <laughs> Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. 
If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.